If you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, that's where we'll be this morning. Uh, I wanted to remind you that uh, Easter is next week, the Resurrection Sunday, the, the day that we celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, I want to encourage you for some, uh, it's your one shot at them, uh, that they think that uh, Easter is a good time to go to church, and we would love it if they would come here. Uh, we're going to have three services. If you look in your bulletins, you could see the times of that. Uh, we're not having a sunrise service. Those seem great. Those seem great, uh, except uh, getting up in the morning and uh, wondering what the weather's going to be like in Bear Valley Springs. Maybe one day we'll get ambitious and we will do that. Uh, but we have three services, and I, I just wanted to see a show of hands. Maybe some of you are playing ahead. How many of you are going to go to the first service? First service. Uh, okay. How many of you are going to go to the second service? Second service. How many of you are planning on going to the third service? Okay. So I just wanted to show you that uh, to tell you if you're wondering uh, which service will have the most seating, it'll be the third service. Okay. Uh, and uh, so anyways, come whenever you are. We'll, we'll sit in the aisles if we need to. Uh, but I want to encourage you to come. I want to encourage you too to think through and as you pray for those services and who, are, who uh, will be attending uh, to think about people God has put in your life, uh, maybe some neighbors, maybe some people that you work with uh, that are floating around wondering, uh, what should we do on Easter? Uh, maybe they should be here with us at Bear Valley Church, uh, hearing about our wonderful living God uh, that's worthy of all, all of our lives. And so uh, I want to encourage you to uh, look for those opportunities as well. Um, as uh, we uh, look to God's Word this morning, uh, I want to remind you we're studying the life of Jesus. <clears throat> and for most of us, maybe that's pretty familiar, the life of Jesus. Uh, if we were in biblical times, if we were in the time of the New Testament, we would be able to see Jesus. We would be able to see Him as a man. Uh, he, was, he was a man who walked who looked much like the men of his day. Uh, he ate, he drank, he slept. Uh, you would have seen him as just a man. What was exceptional about him and miraculous and godlike because he was God was how he acted, what he did, how he spoke, and the miracles that he performed. Uh, sometimes we get hung up on the miracles and we go... You know, I believe in science. For some of you, you say, I just believe in science. That's the most important thing. I want to tell you, uh, God created science, okay? Uh, all those laws and how they work, He put those things in order. And what a miracle is, is when Jesus, specifically Jesus, as we're going to look about this morning, uh, Jesus did things that didn't go along with what had happened before. You say science can prove or disprove anything by doing experiments and looking at the past and projecting out in the future. The problem with miracles is that that's what a miracle is. That Jesus did something uh, that couldn't be done other than if he was God. And so this is what we look at this morning. And I can imagine if it were us, if we were watching the miracles of Jesus, uh, how we would respond. 
if we saw things that we'd never seen before, if we uh, had seen people in sickness become well, if we'd seen others with different ailments, and uh, if we would have seen it with our own eyes, how we would react. And this morning, that's really the question, is how do you react to Jesus? For most of us, we have already reacted and we continue to react. We, we have come across Jesus before, not necessarily his miracles face to face, but we've read in his word, we understand who he is, and we've responded. Uh, this morning, uh, we will have an opportunity again to respond to Jesus. So we're in we're starting out in chapter 9, verse 18. Uh, if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd love to read to you from verse 18 down through verse 32. God's word says this, While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had come, and been put outside, he went in and took her hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went throughout all that district. And Jesus passed on from there. Uh, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it, be it done to you. And their eyes were open, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame throughout all the district. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man, who was mute, was brought to him, when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds marveled, saying, Never was there anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out demons by the prince of demons. Let's read the next verse as well. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. God, I ask for your blessing on your word. I ask that we would respond to Jesus as we look at uh, what he has done and who he is. We thank you in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. You may be seated. This section, Matthew records uh, these miracles kind of bam, bam, bam. Uh, We've already seen miracles in the book of Matthew. 
And this is a list, a very quick, um, not, not a whole lot of details, but enough to know that Jesus was doing these miracles. We start out with a, a daughter that had passed away. And, and you get this picture as you look at verse 18. Um, and use, Matthew uses this phrase, while he was saying this, to mean that it's coming up one right after the other, these instances where Jesus is doing things that are amazing. And you, you can imagine, uh, you know, how, how does news travel in a day without the Internet? How does it travel? I, I, want, I wanted to make a joke there, but I won't. Uh, people talk. People talk. Uh, people say things. Uh, and, and one person is an eyewitness, and that eyewitness goes and tells a few more, and then they start talking, and it just kind of spreads out from there. And this is what happened in our passage this morning as these miracles uh, came about. In verse 18, uh, you see that there was a a ruler who came. We don't know what kind of ruler, but I I want you to know that this was most likely connected with the synagogue. And that there was a sense of ruler that he was an important man. He had resources. He had connections. And what's interesting to me that a ruler who had these resources, who had these connections, who probably had access to all the Pharisees, all the scribes, all the religious leaders, he comes and seeks out Jesus. And I want to tell you, even as we get rolling here, that um, everybody needs to come to Jesus. Everybody. He's the place to go. He's the source of strength. doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have. It doesn't matter how smart you are, what family you come from. It doesn't matter if you're athletic. It doesn't matter if you're full of life and healthy. He's the place to come to. And this ruler came on behalf of his daughter. It's interesting to me, too, that he came on behalf of his daughter. Parents know, kids who are here today, you say, well, how does God work? If you're a parent, I'll tell you how God works. Through our kids, right? God never gets our attention as much as when when it concerns our kids, right? It's interesting to me in a church like this, uh, especially with the generations, the adult children, even adult grandchildren that some of you have, your hearts continue to break, And God continues to work on you through your desire for your children. So this man comes. He he comes uh, to Jesus and he comes on behalf of his daughter. And what he he says, and it's kind of hard to discern at what point she truly died. But the ruler uh, sees her as already dead at this point. Whether she died en route to come see Jesus, we don't know. The other Gospels, uh, it's kind of hard to understand exactly the point in time where she died. But Jesus, or this ruler says this in verse 18, My daughter has just died, but come lay your hand on her and she will live. What did the ruler believe? 
Maybe he'd already tried all the doctors. Maybe he'd already gone to the other religious leaders and they didn't work. And in resurrection hope, he hopes that somehow Jesus, having probably heard himself that Jesus had done other miracles, he comes to Jesus, a powerful man, and he says, it says he knelt too, right? As he knelt. What a posture of a, a powerful man to kneel. To, to see this. Uh, Jesus didn't have a badge or anything like that, right? He, didn't, he wasn't a religious leader per se at this time. He, he was just someone who was hanging out with uh, tax collectors and fishermen, right? He, he wasn't someone who had some kind of a nobility to himself. But this one who probably did came and knelt, seeking that Jesus would enter in. He had a resurrection hope. Well, um, doesn't give us a whole lot of detail, but it says, And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. Uh, this is miracles within miracles here, okay? So Jesus is going to do a miracle, and this is what happens. Verse 20, And behold, a woman who had suffered from discharge of blood for twelve years came up from behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. Now you have a, a, a second lady. So the man has come for, on behalf of his daughter. Now you have a woman coming on behalf of herself. She's had some kind of internal bleeding some, that she struggled with. Probably had, it, it made her sickly and, and, and she struggled for life every day for twelve years. For 12 years. But she sees Jesus. Somehow she had heard maybe the same thing that this man had heard of other miracles that he had done. And she goes, I got to go see that guy. And, and this is what it says about her, which I love. It's faith again. Um, she says to herself in verse 21, if only if I only touch his garment, if I only touch his garment. If I only touch a piece of clothing of Jesus, I'll be good. I'll be healed just by touching him. Amazing picture of faith that, that this woman has. And what happens? Uh, for she said to herself, I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Verse 22, Jesus turned and seeing her said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. That wasn't take two aspirins and I'll see you, you know, next week. Call me in the morning if this doesn't clear up. Take these antibiotics for 12 weeks and come back and hopefully it'll run its course and you're forgotten about your ailments. And uh... No, this is instantaneous. This woman had struggled for 12 years Touching Jesus, he, he understands, he turns around, he looks at her, and he says, daughter. He, he refers to her in a sweet, loving way. And he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. I want to make a connection here uh, between faith and healing. Faith and healing. Okay? Um, Jesus does not heal everyone. He's not, he, he doesn't heal everyone. In fact, Every, I, I've shared this with you before. Every one of these people that he healed died. Every one of them. Uh, most likely from something else, right? It wasn't something that came back. Uh, we don't have the history of their death. We just know that they died. 
But what Jesus is doing is, is that he's extending out himself as the compassionate Savior. He's compassionate. He hurts for these people and their ailments. He doesn't go, I don't care. Don't tell me about your problems. <laughs> There's something you got to live with. No, he extends his compassion to them. And they, in faith, have come. Uh, there's a danger when you hear that word faith and you say, oh, so if I have faith, Jesus will remove everything that's bad in my life. Um, first of all, you don't have that much faith. because <laughs> You've got a lot of things, you know. But James tells us uh, we struggle in many ways, many ways. And that's true, isn't it? It's true, isn't it? Some of you don't want to admit it. Many ways. Many ways. I don't like to admit it. I want, I, I want you to get this picture here. That this faith, this faith is not powerful on the, the point of the people. It's reasonable because of who Jesus is. Jesus is saying, you can trust me. You can trust me. You should trust me. You should trust in Jesus. You shouldn't trust in medicine. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to the doctor, but if you think they're going to solve all your problems, you're strongly mistaken. You shouldn't trust in your finances. It doesn't, it, it's not this fortress you think it is. You shouldn't trust in your education, your family name. You shouldn't trust in anything. But you should come and put your faith in Jesus. You should come and say, I will trust you. These are the things that I got. I'm I'm messed up. I need you. And this is what these two people did. One, a woman who had been struggling for 12 years. And then one prior, a ruler coming on behalf of his daughter. They placed their trust in Jesus. Verse 23, uh, we go back to the scene of the house of the man and, and his daughter, where his daughter had died. And already, uh, they, this may sound funny to us, and maybe it is, but there were flute players, meaning they, they had already started the grieving process. And that's what they did. And, and to us, it seems weird. To them, it was just part of their culture. That when people died, they, they brought these flute players or instruments and they played music. And as people came, they, they came to grieve the loss of someone. And so the house was filled and the flute players were playing. And Jesus comes to the scene. And he says something that's difficult for us to understand. He calls to them in verse 24 and he said, Go away, the girl is not dead, but sleeping. The flute players are already there, right? Uh, I don't know if they were on standby. They knew her health was bad. Uh, The people were already grieving. It had been some time. It wasn't two minutes, I don't think. She had been pronounced dead. And I want to... I want to make a note here. Um, I know there's been many books written about people who had died and they spent 20 minutes here and 20 minutes there and uh, that, that they get these pictures. I want to tell you one thing very important. Doctors don't decide who's dead. 
people don't even decide who's dead. Uh, uh, you know, I felt like I was dead. It, 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 it's none of those things. The one who decides upon life and death is God. He appoints the time. He appoints the time. He, he's the one. He, he's the one who decides who, who is alive and who is not. And so be careful when we look upon things and we put our faith in things and we put in faith in pictures of people and their experiences over what God has said in His Word. So Jesus uh, goes into the house and He says she is sleeping. And they laugh at Him. Be careful. Be careful. When you laugh at Jesus, He always gets the last laugh. He always gets the last laugh. Uh, this, this happens over and over. They, they, what they're saying is, they're pointing to Jesus and saying, You are foolish. You're so dumb. Don't you get it? And not understanding who Jesus was, they laughed. They laughed. And you can imagine uh, what happened to them. And so everyone comes out, verse 25, but when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose. And the report went, the report of this went out through all the district. Why did the report go out? And what was it? It wasn't like an official report. It wasn't a memo or anything like that or an email, text message. There were no alerts or anything like that. They were talking. Why were they talking? It's simple. Because there was something amazing going on. And it all pointed back to Jesus. It all pointed back to Jesus. This woman's been healed. She's been, you know, you can imagine that woman's family. Twelve years she'd been struggling with her health. And then in an instant, boom. And then this, this girl had died. They're mourning her. And Jesus walks in and says she's sleeping and she, she resurrection, right? And you just go, I, I don't understand what just happened. I, I'm sure the medical community was uh, confused at what had just gone on, what had just transpired. But this is Jesus. And, and what it does, it sets Jesus different and apart from anybody else they'd ever seen. And so that's why they were talking. It's interesting uh, when we, the, the older you are, the older you are, you don't get as impressed with people. You don't get, you know why? Because you've seen it before. You've seen it before. In sports, they say, this person's the greatest. And you go, no, nah, he's not that great. They've had, you, you, it's a lot of hype. It's exciting. He's won a few games. But, uh, you know, you'd seen others that were great like that before politicians and movie stars and celebrities and wealth and you see all these different things and you see it time and time again it's just like everybody else it's it's like that of every generation but this was different jesus was doing things that nobody else could do nobody and so jesus is portraying himself as different and the report is going out verse 27 when Jesus passed on from there, the two blind, uh, two blind men followed him, crying out aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. By the way, that's a great prayer. 
By the way, that's a great prayer. Have mercy on us. Calling out to Jesus saying, have mercy on me. Mercy isn't getting what we deserve. You need to take care of me now. I'm next in line. I've got my number. I've done all my homework. I've studied hard. You need to give me. These two blind men, they were just, have mercy on me. I just need you. I just need you. In verse 28, uh, when he entered the house, if you think about it, that's probably their house or a, a house they were staying at. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Once again, that's a picture of faith, right? It's not exceptional on their behalf. It's right. They may have heard, right? Heard of the miracles that he had done, how he had changed people's lives. And so they're like, of course, we believe that you can do for us what you have done for them. He says, yes, Lord. And then in verse 29, then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were open. And Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame throughout the whole district. They didn't listen to Jesus. Um, that's a tough one to get through, right? Why did, he, why did he want this to be silent? Well, I'm not exactly sure. One of the reasons might have been that he desired not talk, but actions to, to see the proof. Um, it would have been pretty hard to keep it quiet, right? Uh, if these two blind men are walking around, they're talking, and they, they pass someone on the street, and they say, hey, it's good to see you today. That would have been amazing. They go, yeah, it's good to see you. And they walk past. Wait, that was the blind guy. How did he... Nice yellow shirt you're wearing, you know. Uh, how does he know? What has happened? But I want to point you to the outcome. The outcome. What happened? But they went away and spread his fame throughout all the district. Why? Because people, blind people don't receive sight. Those, Jesus was doing, and, and it was all pointing back to Jesus. We move on. Uh, he heals these two blind men. And then connector again, as they were going away, verse 32, behold, a demon oppressed man who was mute was, was brought to him. And the demon, uh, and when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke and the crowds marveled. Boom. Quickly. Guys, two problems. He's demon oppressed and he doesn't speak. And Jesus in a moment takes care of both of those. And what did the people do? They marveled. Why? It's interesting. We drum up emotion today. We stage things. Uh, we go to pep rallies and we make sure, you know, that that all, all the, you know, play the music like this so everyone gets whipped up in a frenzy. And there's this staging and, and trying to whip people up to see that the emotion comes out. You know what got people all stirred up? Jesus. 
There were, there were no, like, play the music and turn the lights down low and then, then have a fireworks show and everyone's going to go ooh and ah at the right time. No, Jesus was just displaying his power. And the people were going, wow, they couldn't believe it. Why? Because of who Jesus was, his power being displayed. Um, as I look at this, we come to uh, an interesting conclusion. And their eyes were open, uh, verse 30. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, verse 33. And when the demons had been cast out, the mute man spoke and the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. And then it says this. But the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by the prince of demons. That was their conclusion. You know, he's got demonic powers. He's bad. He's bad. He's working for Satan and connected with his demons. That's how he does this. I want to point something out to you. And I think for us this morning, it's really, it's where we go. It's two roads. It's two roads. It's how do you respond to Jesus? When you see him at work, when you see him, his teaching, his words, his compassion, his love, when you see the cross, what, what do you see? What do you see? And the Pharisees, they understood what was going on. They were witnesses and they heard firsthand reports of what had gone on. The miracles had happened. And so what do they do? What's your answer to that? How should you respond? It's real simple. Must have a demon in him. Makes total sense, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. But, But the problem is, it's the struggle in our heart. Who is Jesus? And he's amazing. He did these miracles. And Jesus is going to call people to come and to follow him. And they're going to go, yeah, but I kind of want to do my own thing. Yeah, but I, I'm the one who is God coming. For, I'm Jesus. I'm the one who has power over all. And, and everyone goes, well, yeah, I kind of like the miracles, but I kind of want to do my own thing, too. And definitely the Pharisees wanted to. And so not having a way out, they chose to reject Jesus. And instead of um, accepting it, if I, I read to you verse 35. I want, I want you to see this tie up here. And verse 35, And when Jesus went throughout the, all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. This is what he was doing. This was, and it's this tie up that says, yeah, this is, he was just going around doing this all the time. And so, this is the character, his compassion, his teaching. This is what he was doing. And so the Pharisees go, oh, I see it. I, I see what's going on. Um, I, I, in my own stubborn rebellion, I don't want to give up my spot as in charge of my life. So I got to do something with Jesus. Let's say he's bad and let's say he's possessed by a demon. I don't need him. Jesus is bad. He's not good. Where does that leave us this morning? Well, um, I just want to uh, say this to you. Uh, this in, 
we celebrate uh, this week as the events that lead up to the cross. And this, in tradition, is called Palm Sunday uh, because they celebrate the time where Jesus entered the city. And if you know what that is, uh, look, uh, it's in uh, Matthew chapter 21. Jesus enters the city, and let me just read to you a portion of it. And this is what it says the crowds did. Most of the crowds spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds went before him and followed him, were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city were stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from uh, Nazareth of Galilee. Skipping down a few verses, it says this, But the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the Son of David. They were, ind- they were indignant. <laughs> I want to tell you, that this is just how it happens. You either accept Jesus to be the Savior and your Lord, or you have to reject him and say, he's no good. We hate him. He's from the demons. He's got to be something wrong with him. This is what we do with Jesus. Uh, this morning, I want to just encourage you, those who are old and those who are young, uh, to consider Jesus, where he fits into your life. What is your reaction to him being Son of God, the one who came in the flesh for you. We'll be celebrating this next week as well as we consider him being our living God.